Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name's Daniel. It's me. Hey, everyone. It's Carl like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is our last group preview, guys. We've done A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So you guys go back and listen to those. Um, and today, we've got group H. The World Cup is in two days. I, 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 I wait four years for, for, for this H, man. I'm watching every game, man. Half up. Are you doing a preview and review for every game this time, or are you gonna just do live streams at the end of the day? Bro, it's look. It's, no, no, no. I mean, like every game gets like a, a reaction, and okay. then so and the big games get the the, the live tr- treatment. So let's get into this this preview. So let's start with Uruguay. You can't ignore Jose's peeps. For me, I think that Uruguay can still just about make it the group, but that's probably as far as they go. Yeah. Yeah, that's as far as they go. They can make through group because I, I think if they go through, most likely in second, they can stop it's the group. Brazil. Let's be real, yeah. they can stop the group. But boy, if they come second, yeah, they're out. So, um, yeah, but, <laughs> I, I think they can make it through. Hey, man, you know how I feel about you, bro. <laughs> uh... speak, speaking as someone with Ghanaian parents, Group H is, is very important to me as and the game against Uruguay between Ghana is, is a very important game to me as and well. And it's the final game. Yeah, if I could want, if I could wish for any one thing to happen at this World Cup, it's that Ghana beat Uruguay. Do you know what? Me too. <laughs> uh, oh, hell, I, I was so bro. Me I was three. scarred Me in twenty ten. We, I've, uh, I've I've talked a lot of gas on Twitter about Suarez. I'm like, so wait for me, Suarez. Come around the corner, Suarez. We're coming for you, Suarez. But the more I look at this Uruguay squad, Darwin Nunez, uh, Cavani's in half decent form for Valencia at the moment. Uh, Fede Valverde. Oh yes. It's oh, not. It's not just the, the the. It's not just your your uncle's Uruguay team from 2010 or 2014. But this is a. They got some players here. Is Bentancur Uruguayan? Yes, he is. I would love Ghana to beat them. I, I'm hoping for Ghana to beat them. I've been on my knees praying for Ghana to beat them. <laughs> I also wouldn't be. Su- I also wouldn't be surprised if Uruguay top this group. So. Did you know that Ghana had like a. Like a prayer meeting? I do. I do. We had, we had, we had, we it was like two, it was like a nationwide day of intervention for the. We had we had two days of prayer and fasting, uh, and what was great is uh, the the it was the Friday. I think one day was was for Muslims in the north, and one day was the Sunday for for Christians. You know, it's big when the religions are coming together. God help for the national team. Man. Anyway, 
All right. Sorry, so yeah, sorry. This is, the conversation this... about Uruguay has ended up being a conversation about Ghana, but there you we, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to Ghana in a bit. But before we get to Ghana, let's listen to the conversation that I had with my friend at this point, Jesse Loesch. My name is Jesse Loesch. I mean, who cares about anything else? I get to talk to you about Uruguay. That's really what matters. I probably asked you this four years ago, but I'm going to okay. ask again. Actually, better question. What does Uruguay football mean to you? We could guess what it means to the people, and maybe you could touch that later. But what does Uruguay football mean to you? It is my my father's from Uruguay. My father's family's from Uruguay. I think for me, it has always been, I mean, aside from the, you know, anxiety and passion and joy and grief, despair, all of that, it's also been a way to share and connect and celebrate with that part of my family. So my father and I flew to Montevideo for like three days to watch a qualifier. So there's that as well. There's like, that's my team. So it's also, that's my connection to that side of my family. Hmm. I actually, I was just walking the dog right before this and I'm wearing like an old Peñarol shirt. And I saw a guy walking towards me wearing, I was like, there, there is no way somebody in my neighborhood is wearing an Uruguayan Football Association jersey, but as it got closer, I was like, I know those four stars and I know these colors. And he was making eye contact with me because I'm wearing this Peñarol shirt. And we sort of like, you know, as we crossed paths, we both gave each other like, you know, a head nod and a, and a smile and, and acknowledge each other at the same time. And I think there's that connection as well that, you know, it's not like this, it's such, we're such a small country that when you do see each other like that, there's such a surprising connection. So what has qualification been like with a new person in the family, essentially? <laughs> yeah, it does feel like in the family. Um, you know, I've been really pleasantly surprised. I think it really is a family. Tavares not only was the national team manager, but he managed the U21s as well. So this generation came up through him. And I think a lot of managers would have taken the opportunity to maybe bring in their own people and change culture, the formation or some of the players and make it their own for good, bad or otherwise. Diego Alonso kept obviously the core of the team, but he also really kept the integrity and the spirit of what Tabares was known for, which is this real sense that there are no stars, that everybody plays for the team. So it doesn't matter who scores the goal. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, when, when, when we, when one of us shines, we all shine, like that kind of thing. And I, I, and I really, so I feel like that that made the transition a lot smoother because it still feels like the same team and the same style of play. We get the cliche about South American qualifying is the hardest qualifying. And if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere kind of deal. <laughs> if you could tell me how go. qualification went. Oh, God. They, we worked terrible. Because we were terrible, also a large part of me was like, you know, then I won't have to make this moral and ethical choice about whether to watch the World Cup in Qatar. My team is taking that away from me by not qualifying. And then we qualified and I was like, oh, you guys, this is great and awful. Is it because coming ball is harder? Every conference is is difficult and has its challenges. Um, what's, what's great about coming ball is that 
the teams really tend to know each other. It's a smaller, you know, there's not as much to travel, but yeah, there's no, like, there are no easy matches. Grab any Chilean and they will tell you that. Um, You cannot take anything for granted. And especially with the schedule this year, like, you know, there's the fear is losing, but the fear is also overplaying. You know, these players were flying in, having played in their leagues during the week and then playing a qualifier and then flying back to play. And that is, that's just, it's so taxing. You know, we saw that this week with Araujo playing what, like 15 minutes during this international friendly and then tearing his adductor and now he's out. Like this is just, this is a really hard, ridiculous time frame the players should not have had to get used to. Kind of attached to that post-qualification. So we know that Brazil and Argentina don't lose. And then it was Uruguay, Ecuador, Peru, Chile. Wait, I'm sorry. And you mean Brazil and Argentina who did not have to replay their match? Yeah, but Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of attached to that, like how would you, post-qualification, how would you describe between qualification and now? We've known each other for long enough that you know I never have confidence. Mm. I think that match against Iran, if we play like that, we should just go home right now. But then this match against Canada, I thought was really reassuring, both because we remembered that we could play, but also there is a much deeper bench than we've seen in previous years, which is going to take a lot of the, should take a lot of the pressure off of Godin and Suarez. You know, we see Canobio coming in and playing beautifully. We see you know, the Arraqueta coming in and, and, and Nico de la Cruz, who I think, you know, he's been playing for, he's a baby, but he's been playing for such a long time and is finally getting quality playing time. But we're also seeing different link-ups. So it's not just like, here are the veterans coming on and playing, and then let's bring on the babies coming in and playing. You know, it's like, here are different formations that we can use, different shapes that we have, and they're actually starting to gel and starting to work. And, you know, I am going to cry my eyes out knowing that this is the last World Cup and probably the last big international tournament for players that I grew up with. Like Fernando Musleta has been my keeper and he's being phased out by Rochette. And that's like emotionally, that's a tough thing. But also what a powerhouse knowing that like we do have somebody like Rochette who can come in and take Musleta's place and like you know, and you can have Musleta still on the bench. So I know where this is going to go. Uh oh. But I'm gonna ask anyway. You're gonna ask me about Ghana. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Expectations. Let's let's kind of get this out of the way. How far can you go? Oh God. But and how far will you go? Considering that this is one of the more difficult groups to interpret. What do other people say with, are other people confident? Like what, give me, what am I working with here? People don't like picking their team for any reason. I I think it's because we think we can control the future (laughs) and we can't, but there is this idea that if I pick my team, I'm failing them. And then it's my fault. So so people are very cagey saying where they think their team can go. But I like asking the question because I do think it's, it's a legitimate question. What you said about this um, group is everything, right? Because if we finish in second, you would think 
a really solid, great start. We then play Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not great. (laughs) So, you know, either you make it out of the first round and then, oh my God, or you make it out of the first round and then you're okay. Or this is a much tougher group than anybody has been giving me credit for saying. And like Korea is very good. Portugal is, am I hoping that we could again crush their hopes and dreams? Yes, 100%. But you don't know. And I think this match against Ghana is going to be totally based on vibes and emotions. Now we can get into it. So there's a revenge element from 2010 that is clearly apparent in this group. Yep. Um, How are you feeling about the Ghana game? Bad. Bad, Daniel. I'm feeling bad. (laughs) I've even read that Asamoah John wants to come back. Yes. Oh, my God. I read the same thing. It's 12 years later. You'd think people would let it go, but no. Um, If you look up Uruguay on the internet, like this pops up. The thing I had written down, though, was Darwin slander. I'm very curious from, from, again, from the Uruguay perspective, is he as bad as they say he is? No, we are guys? all, all like, three you guys and a half love million him? of us are lined up to defend our boy and our cows. <laughs> we'll go to bat. Wait a minute. Sure. Is Uruguay and cows like whales and sheep? Is that yes, like a, have, is there that are a thing? More, yeah, every, there are more cows than people. And for some reason, everybody likes to tell you that. But listen, I love cows. And if anybody comes to, you know, say anything bad against Darwin Nunez, then I will just... I will have the cows moo at them and I will yell invectives because listen, the boy hardly speaks English. He's getting used to a brand new league and he's still doing a pretty good job. So leave him alone, let him be. And now he's dealing with like social media insanity on top of it. You think that's going to make it any better? No. And my cows and I are going to tell you that you're not helping (laughs) People, people of the internet. I, I don't know. That felt kind of personal. <laughs> that was not about you. That was about everybody out there. So he made a mistake. Jesse, okay. it, it might be a fair critique. I think I've I've, I've piled on a bit. Um, you, players you know to what? watch. When a cow shows up at your front door, you I'll know exactly it. why that happened. Players to watch. Um, you know this is this is a last for a lot of ours, but I think we're going to see what Cavani decides based on this you know he still could possibly try to, to to keep playing you know compared to I think Godin is done after this probably Suarez as well but I think that the Arrascaeta is a superstar and Valverde this is going to be I think Valverde's World Cup like I think that where 2010 you know sort of brought Suarez and Cavani it became their national team rather than Lugano and Forlan, it's we're going to see Valverde really become, rather than like a youngster, we're going to see him take on a leading role. Who's going to win the World Cup? No. You, I'll remove Uruguay. You can't okay, okay, say okay, them. Great. And you wouldn't so, say Uruguay anyway because... Because I wouldn't. You're right. I actually have been... I keep thinking that Denmark has this weird outside shot. They've been playing really well. What happened with Ericsson was so devastating, but also like now they've coalesced around it and their their young players are so good. So they're my dark horse to watch. Oh, see, you tricked the question. What? You gave me your dark horse to win. Yeah, but do you actually think they will win? I mean, I really think they could. Like, I think that's that like is a my brain keeps looking at like, you know, every time I look at this, I'm like, I don't 
know, Denmark. I see you over there. It's your answer. Um, I love that you're like, you're an idiot, but I'll let you have it. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, if you can back it up through logic or feeling, however, okay. however you want. Last question. Is there anything I haven't asked that you find particularly interesting that you think people should know or might want to know? Oh, you're so good at this. Um, yeah, I mean, do I think that everybody needs to be talking more about like multiple levels of corruption and not letting this skate underneath? Yes. So let's keep talking about the fact that, you know, while we're all going to be enjoying our teams and our players, there's so much wrong with this this World Cup in particular and FIFA in totality. Agreed. Um, <laughs> so, Jesse, where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, they can follow me at Jesse Loesch. And do you have a podcast that people might want to listen to? Um, I just hop onto other people's <laughs> podcasts when they feel like, you know, they can handle my ramblings. Are you still doing work with Unusual Efforts? I am. I am. Okay. I am. Shout them out. Shout them out. Unusual Efforts is a podcast and a website and a magazine for women and non-binary and trans writers and artists. Jesse, thank you for doing this. <laughs> thank you for doing this. This is great. So we're back with Ghana, Carl. You guys are going to the World Cup with the IU brothers, but some like Inyaki Williams signed up. You got Tariq Lamptey. So it's like Kudus some old... from Ajax. Yes. Kudus. Um, Salisu finally committed himself. So how are you feeling as a Ghanaian ahead of this? Also, now let's just insert that, Carl, with all due disrespect, screw you for denying the green, white, and green. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. This, so. I didn't want to bring it up. I was going to let it go. I'm afraid no. you have to hold that one, big man. I know. I know. <laughs> you just have to hold that, big man. Understand that. So let's be real. Ghana are the lowest ranked team at this World Cup based on FIFA ratings. It, Ghana needed a controversial penalty from Daniel, won by Daniel Amati to get past South Africa in the group stages of qualifying. And they got through in a playoff against Nigeria on away goals. And the only reason I'm going to be really real here, I don't think they would have been able to beat any other team in those playoffs. It was just the fact that it was Nigeria. And we managed to drag Nigeria down to our level and turn that football pit, <laughs> turn that football game into just a slugfest. Right? I think that's how Ghana did it. Ghana have have got to this World Cup by hook or by crook and then spent the entire summer just recruiting as many players as possible to improve that national team. Have you seen that clip of Michael Irvin talking about the Callas Dalboys going, listen to everybody. No one, no one believes in you. What are you prepared to do about it? Don't let anyone come into your house, take your meal, do what you need to do today. I'm not nervous. That's crazy. I'm not nervous. I'm just saying. Ah, that's... <laughs> I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm not saying, nervous. I'm just saying that that's how I feel about Ghana right now. This is not the Ghanaian national team of 2010 from the golden age. It's not even the national mm. team for 2014 that didn't get out the group stages when they were playing against Portugal. In January at AFCON, they recorded the worst ever record at AFCON. It looked to be the worst ever Ghanaian team I'd seen in ages and they've recruited well, but I still, you know, they're, they're still missing a, a, a player like Callum Hudson-Odoi would really take it to the next level. So he really thinks he's going to play for England one day. As does Eddie Nketiah. Yeah, yeah. That programming, man, is, it goes deep. It's deep, it's deep, it's deep. Man. Yeah, it's, it's deep. deep. I used to blame them, but I can't anymore. Know, I me, okay, you went, yeah, you went to Ghana and you enjoyed yourself and you're still saying what was up to Charles III? Damn. All right. <laughs> Charles III. <laughs> I forgot you mean was... Prince Charles? 
Prince Charles. Charles. Ch- he's Charlie the Third. Charlie the Third. He's Prince Charles on this podcast. Right? King Chucky. King Chucky. That's wrong. <laughs> That's his name. King Chucky. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Don't put me to the Tower of London. Yo, Carl. Yeah, you should be quiet because you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. You might not get that MBE. <laughs> Yeah, and also England still think it's ten sixty six, man. I don't think they've they've, they've gone. Well, no, have the, the have the point would be I think Carl, like if you play it right, eventually you can get the MBE. But have have hope and I might drag you down with our uh, anti imperialist <laughs> chat. Carl rejects it. Carl, if 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 I see someone pin out to you, you'll see a black man bust through the windows, grab the middle from you, and then you'll see you'll see black hawk down, black hawk down, and ask me pin pin down by a few bullets from. I was lucky enough to get a hold of George Addo Jr. We chopped it up about Ghana. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Yeah, hello everybody. Uh, good to join you today. My name is George Addo Jr. I'm a sports editor. I don't know how you guys put it, like head of sports at uh, Multimedia Group Limited. I work with a brand called Joy FM. And so, yeah, I'm very active on radio, on television and um, online, like I noted, social media. But basically, uh, that's who I am. And it's great to be here. We have often referred to football as the passion of the nation in Ghana. I'd say football is the topmost sport. When you walk in Ghana, over the stretch of about 300 meters, you must see boys playing football, either on an astroturf pitch or on a grassless pitch, or even playing in the pavement. There must be football action or else they're not in Ghana. So after every 300 meters dotted around the country, you must find and hear you know, ball hitting the wall and the sound reverberated across. So I'd say football is a big, big, big deal for Ghanaians. I mean, the reason why we say we have over 13 million coaches in Ghana, that's um, the value we're giving for the last census in the country. We are about 13 million plus. Everybody understands football. So it becomes a big deal when you're selecting the final 26 for the World Cup. Everybody has an, has an opinion. When you select a coach, everybody has an opinion. Every football game, everybody has an opinion. So when we make it to the World Cup, it's big news. I remember when we made it to the 2006 World Cup, it was like, what can I be like? Yeah, it was like we had actually won the World Cup because that was the excitement. We had, were looking forward to making the World Cup. And for most of us, we feel that it never happened when we had the best of players like Abedi Pere, like Tony Yaboa and the likes. They never saw the World Cup. Michael Asian and his team were lucky. Steven Appiah and his team were lucky in 2006 to go there. And it was a big, 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 big festival for us in 2006. And then we had the next one qualifying to South Africa 2010. We all know the story. We were very, very close within seconds of becoming the first African country to make it into the semi-final. And yeah, we missed out with the Luis Suarez uh, incident and all. We, we lost out to penalty <laughs> shootout, you know, right? And then we're back again in the World Cup in 2014. So we made it three consecutive times. We missed in 2018 and we're back here in 2022 going to the World Cup. So I tell you, we have a rich culture. Those of us living here know what it means when the Black Stars are playing, when a goal is scored, when we make it to the round of 16, when we make the quarterfinal, the jubilation on the streets, crazy including when we feel at the World Cup. So everything points that we are a fantastic football nation. Was it more important to make the World Cup or was it more important to make sure Nigeria didn't make the World Cup? I'll tell you, it was important to make the World Cup. And it was important to ensure that if you didn't make the World Cup, it wasn't because that was it wasn't because Nigeria knocked you out. So <laughs> like I mean clearly the the stakes are so high. And for us we had a poor Africa Cup of Nations, so we knew that Nigeria looked good. 
we didn't know how it was all going to come together. We sucked our coach, Philip and Ryavaj. They also were really stuck against us. We, we, we definitely knew we had a, a big work to do. In the first leg, we drew goalless. In the second leg, Thomas Bate scored. It was an equalizer from Nigeria, but he stayed 1-1 and we qualified. So every Ghanaian was happy about the World Cup, but even more overjoyed because it was Nigeria. We, we beat to make it to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the rivalry between Nigeria and Ghana is, is especially as someone who's, who has loyalties in East Africa, is so funny. There are some Nigerians who will root for Ghana at the World Cup just because West Africa roots, whatever. I don't get the sense that Ghanaians root for Nigeria in the same way. No, 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 no. You know, the thing is, Nigeria believe that they are the big brothers and we are the small brothers. Mm-hmm. But we tell them that if you look at the history between Nigeria and Ghana, front to back, we beat them. So it's Nigeria having to, you know, scratch their heads and say, ah, well, why is a small nation? Ghana is probably equal to one of the states in Nigeria. Why do they keep on producing guys and they're good enough to beat us all the time? That's their beef. So sometimes they want to play the big brother role and say, yeah, we'll support you, never mind. But we're telling them that we're better than you. We're always making the point. We're better than you and we're proving it every time. And 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 like what happened in the, in the World Cup qualifier, we tried, We said we are better than you even when we don't have good players. Ghana is the land of Kwame Nkrumah. I feel like it's our job here to be slightly Pan-Africanist and just root for everybody. So um, <laughs> are Ghana trending in the right direction? So there was a, a friendly against Brazil that happened that didn't look too great. And maybe fold it in with that. Who your new manager is and if fans are happy or not happy with his management style of play. Okay, so I think it's bittersweet. Let me start with Kucho Tuado. Now, he was drafted in after the Africa Cup of Nations. He was drafted in and he was supposed to work with a four-member team or a three-member team, let's put it. So Tuado, Chris Hutin, I'm sure you know him very well, former Brighton boss. And of course, um, George Watting, who was then working with Aston Villa under 23, and Didier Dramani, who was working with Ride to Dream. So these are the four men who were tasked to qualify Ghana to the World Cup. Now they qualified to the World Cup. The president, everybody agrees that let's allow the four-man team to continue doing the job. Coach Otuado is at Dortmund. He works as a talent coach. He works as an assistant coach. He works with a lot of the U teams in, in Dortmund. Before taking the job, he made it clear to the Ghana Football Association, I need to be released by my club to do this national team job. The two parties agree. Otuado gets to do the job. But this is in the background and everybody is aware. In the game against Brazil, many fumed because the starting lineup was not what they were expecting. We have managed to convince players to switch nationality. The likes of Inaki Williams, who has joined the fold. Tyreek Lamte, who has joined the fold. Uh, Mohamed Salisu, who was already a Ghanaian, but did not or said that he was not ready to play for the Black Stars, but he has now decided to come. There are a few others, like once for the Yabua, who had switched nationality. So a lot of Ghanaians were expecting to see the new faces right from the off, um, so that they were able to match the Brazilians. Kuchitwado decided to go the other route and use about the same team that played against Nigeria, against Brazil. In the first half, Ghana was totally exposed. In the second half, he brought on the new boys and it appeared to be a balance. Then Ghana played another friendly few days against Nicaragua when a lot of Ghanaians were expecting a huge scoreline. It ended up being one goal, even though the team created 17 player chances. So this is the summary of it. Coach Otuado is managing guys who are, you know, fairly new to the system. He needs time to get them to be a cohesive unit. By far, it's probably the weakest team we've had presenting at the World Cup. So there is a lot of work, but there is a conviction that the team know what they're doing. But at the moment, the fans are not sure that this is the right um, technical team to lead us there. But Coach Otuado's profile is someone 
who likes to experiment a lot and he's really taking on the European approach, of course, born in Germany, played in Germany. We see a lot of that, but I think a lot of guys want him to be as pragmatic as possible and not experiment too much and get straight to the job. Can this Ghana team get out of the group stage? And I'm really curious because you hinted to it before, maybe pinpointing that Uruguay match. It's a very tough group, as you said. If Ghana makes it out of the group, it'll be a big plus because it's tough. You're playing Portugal, we've got some great players. You're playing Uruguay, we've got some great players. And South Korea, of course, can also give us a lot of trouble. If you look at our history, though, in the World Cup, it suggests that Ghana can always pull up a surprise, and we have pulled up a surprise at every tournament. The Uruguay one is interesting because, once again, the technical team and the football players are not on the same wavelength as the fans. The fans are crying and screaming revenge. Uruguay and Luis Suarez single-handedly prevented Ghana from making it to the semi-final. Because for most Ghanaians, this is what they say. They believe that it was a goal. The referee should have called for a goal, a judge that a goal, not go for a penalty. And when, uh, when uh, Asamajan missed it. So for a lot of Ghanaians, this is an opportunity to avenge that defeat. But for the technical team and the players I've spoken to them, they say um, it's about making sure that we get what we want from Uruguay when we beat them. If we need three points at the time of meeting them, let's get three points. If we, if we need one point and we can get one point, let's take it off them. It's important to get into the next stage of the competition. But hey, the fans are crying for blood. They want to see something happen. They really want to see Uruguay go down. And uh, some have said they're not going to forgive. They haven't forgiven Luis Suarez. And if we beat them, then they will forgive them and all of that. So <laughs> this is where we are on that little Uruguay game. Go and get them. Go and get them. <laughs> George, I have to admit, it wasn't just Ghana that was mad at that, bro. Because it was the, the World Cup was, was in South Africa. You, you yeah. guys were the only team left, as everyone knows. No African team had ever been or has ever been to the semifinals of the World Cup. So we were all rooting for you. And then he yeah. did that. So yeah. it's so I want you guys to get revenge on behalf of us and you, <laughs> us, you know. So anyway, um, as you said, you've added Inyaki Williams. You've added Tariq Lamptey. Mohamed Salisu is, is in the fold. But I'm curious, who is a player to watch that maybe people don't know too much about? There's a man called Daniel Kufitra. He plays his football for Freiburg. He's a great midfielder, does the simple things, scores the goals, knows how to break up play. He's really, really good. To say at this point that, okay, I'm, I'm banking my hopes on this guy. He's going to be the guy for the World Cup, or this guy's going to be the guy for the World Cup. I don't think we have such a team. If I can make that case for the likes of Thomas Partey and Mohamed Kudus and the rest, I, I can I can make it flat on. Because if you look at it carefully, it's a squad that... Uh, trying to know themselves and they need some more time um, time to gel. That's why I'm looking forward to the friendly against Switzerland on the 17th and see what we've got perhaps in that week when the team comes in Abu Dhabi. Who do you think wins the World Cup? What often affects Brazil tactically adapt European teams and they have problems in breaking them down. But I think generally, if you look at this Brazil team, they can do, they are malleable and they can do anything. They can play the silky football. They can play the physical football. They can play tough football. They can possess. They can counterattack. They can do everything. I see them to be very, very complete. They have had very, very intensive preparation as well. I saw them. They looked really, really good against Tunisia and Ghana in, uh, on the global tour. I watched a few of the games and I saw the two games live. They look really, really good. I think that I, I'll, I'll be banking my hopes on them. I think Brazil get to win it. After all, it's been a while since they won it as well. And they're the true powerhouse. Maybe they get to touch the trophy again. I think I'll go for I'll go for Brazil. All right. So this is my fun question. How good was Abede Pele? And I asked that because Jordan and Andre Ayu still being in the team in 2022, it feels as if you're there because of your father. I want to know if I'm off base with this theory. To be fair to them, 
Dele Ayu and Jordan Ayu have tried to play the games, you know, and actually merit the position and everything that comes to them. So Dele Ayu from under 20, with them, won the World Cup. He came into the national team and he has been given his quota. The thing about where Didi Ayu is at the moment is that you cannot get what you were getting from him 10 years ago, eight years ago. You don't play Didi Ayu in the midfield, so far as I'm concerned, or you don't play him on the wings. Didi Ayu cannot do the running, he can do the backtrack. You play him, you are, you are a man down. But you can utilize Didi Ayu in and around the Nike Williams, where he can where he can head the ball into the net, where he's quick to sense where the goal is. You don't do Didi Ayu more than 60 minutes, in my view. But when it comes to Jordan Ayu, Jordan Ayu has metamorphosed into something else. Everybody was expecting goals from him. But his game actually changed from being the guy who puts the ball in the net to being a, a total team player where he's able to hold the play. He's able to track back very, very well. So there's a frustration when it comes to Jordan Ayu because everybody knew Jordan Ayu as a striker. So they say, if you're a striker, where are the goals? But I tell you, Jordan Ayu stopped playing as a number nine, maybe maybe six years ago or five years ago. He's now, look at the way he's been employed and deployed at the moment in Crystal Palace, playing midfield, playing left wing, playing right wing. And it has even happened in the Black Stars where he's being left, right. You know, the reason why Ghana had to go and look for a striker. That said, Idea you and Jordan, you come nowhere close to Abedi Pele. Abedi Pele was a different breed. Anytime Abedi Pele was on for Ghana, you, you, you were definitely going to win the game. We could put our hands on the chest and say that we had a player in Abedi Pele who could produce magic. Out of nothing, Abedi Pele could do a lot. Abedifele did not only succeed at national team, he was a three-time Africa Football of the Year, and he last won it for Ghana. Nobody has ever gotten close, and he won the Champions League with Marseille. So he's done everything you could, you could probably ask of him. He won the Africa Cup of Nations as a teenager in 1982. They don't come close at all to what Abedifele is. So leave Abedifele in his holy grail, let him stay there, because he's a different kind of player. And I still say, He's about the best player we have produced, you know, in Ghana in terms of international exports. Is there anything I haven't asked about Ghana and the national team that you think people should know or might want to know about it? We kind of have a knack for the World Cup. And that's why, after all the analysis, you have to be aware of Ghana, basically. I don't know how we do it, but sometimes it is the thing about football nations and there's individual quality. Kudus is a great player. Thomas Bart is a great player. Didier Ayu is a good player. Jordan is a good player. Inaki Williams is a good player. The whole thing is that can they come together, you know, and play as a cohesive unit? So if, you, if you're not careful, you may underrate us as your own pair of, because Ghana can surprise you. Apart from that, expect the Jama. We'll do the Jama. we we'll sing and hit the drums whilst we get in, into the stadium and get to do our stuff. But basically, I think we could surprise you all. George, where, where can people follow you on Twitter? At Junior. That's um, A-O-O-J-U-N-R. You can get chatty <laughs> about, uh, yeah, yeah, about football, about club football, anything. It's all great, yeah. All the links will be in the description, George. I thank you for taking time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Dan. I'm hoping to do this again with you guys. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
guys make of South Korea? They have some interesting players. They got the homie that plays for Napoli, I think. Kim. Kim. They've mm-hmm. got Son, obviously, but he's going to recover from an eye surgery, I think. So I don't know how Fractured. effective he'll be, but he Fractured should be there. Orbital socket play. in his face. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. So like, yikes. Yikes. He's dead. If he plays, he's going to be with a mask. Watch BTS. out for the mask, man. You know what? You know what? I really, <laughs> you know what? I really like it when that happens. What? The mask? I, I know I shouldn't, and I, I know a lot of these players shouldn't be playing at all when they're in a mask, but there's it just hits different. Black mask, LeBron with the heat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> they had the clear mask. No, actually, the first player I know that had a mask in any sport was Richard Detroit. Hamilton. Yeah, Pistons. Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And he yeah. put the headband over the mask. But then, yeah, LeBron with the dark mask. I was like, ooh, that's that's interesting. And Osaman now is playing well with the mask. I don't know if he should take it off. Um, Sun definitely will have to wear one to protect his eye. Uh, no, this is a tough group for them, and I don't expect them to. They, they, they're definitely they're not making it through. So, do they finish third or do they finish fourth? But yeah, I think they're a cut below Portugal and Uruguay. I think they can sneak their way out of it. You know, Me too. I, I, no, no. There is some. There, I'm not going to pick them, but I think they can do it. I'm not I, as yeah, down on them yeah, as you are. Yeah. I think. I think we've gone through all these groups so far, and I have to keep reminding myself: teams can draw. Teams can draw group stage games. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, if South Korea get a draw against Portugal or Uruguay, which I think they are more than capable enough of doing, and they get three points against Ghana, which will hurt me. But if they do that, then they're, they're in a very good place to, to get out of the group. You know, it, Son is often a streaky finisher. And the fact he will likely play with a mask takes, you know, one rung off the ladder. I do remember when Bakayoko played with a mask for Monaco, and he seemed to have real problems with peripheral vision. But having seen Bakayoko since, I'm not sure if that's just Bakayoko or uh, Mask. Why is Bakayoko catching Sage in a world? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not nervous. <laughs> I'm just saying. Good, solid. Uh, got a number of solid players and a number of key positions. Uh, and could, you know, get the, the one win and two draws necessary to get out of the group. I just sat down with Steve Price of Forbes magazine. Lives in uh, South Korea. And this was the conversation that we had. My name's Steve Price. Um, I'm a football writer for mainly for Forbes.com, a specialist on South Korean football. And I, I used to work for um, the KFA as, a, as an advisor for a bit earlier on in this World Cup campaign. You know, apart from that, just uh, keep track of uh, all the football that's going on here and you know, how the team is all doing. Club football, there's not huge support for any of the local clubs, but there's a massive following for Korean star players, uh, guys like Sunning Min, for example. In terms of the national team, it's a lot more popular. A lot more people follow it. Everybody watches it on TV. Over the summer, we had um, four internationals and all of them were sold out here. When it comes to the World Cup, that takes it to another level. You'll have fan zones across the city in uh, the plaza outside City Hall. They set up a big screen and it's like a sea of red, you know, tens of thousands of people watching the game on the big screen. Usually when the World Cup is on, everybody's totally into football and the country comes alive. Do you think there's a particular advantage? Obviously, South Korea have hosted a World Cup before, so maybe it's a bit different in that sense. But do you think the World Cup being in this region has an impact on Korea? Uh, well, I mean, Korea have played competitive games in Qatar quite a lot and, and also in the nearby countries like the UAE. They know the stadium, they know what to expect in a competitive sense and what kind of backroom kind of things they need, what kind of administration kind of things they need in order for everything to go well. They know what the 
infrastructure site they know the flight times those kind of things so it helps them plan the kind of adjustment routines for players before they come so that everybody's on the right cycles and everything like that in that regards just having played so much in the middle east before possibly gives korea a bit of an advantage but saying that i mean most clubs in europe uh, big football teams in europe have played in that region in their winter camps and stuff anyway so a lot of the players and stuff will already know what to expect, uh, no matter what country they come from. All the top players have played there probably once or twice or played in the countries nearby. So maybe that advantage is not as, as big as people think. As, as someone who lives in the region, how would you describe how big you think this World Cup is just in general for the region and how it can build the sport? In Korea, I think this is going to be the smallest World Cup in a while just because it's happening in winter. The matches are still in the middle of the night, so it's very difficult for people here to watch them. In terms of like the fan zones, I mean, it's going to be potentially minus 10 outside if the the weather's particularly bad. So nobody's going to go outside in the fan zone in those kind of conditions. So for here, it's not that great. I think for Qatar itself, the region has a lot of rivalries. Uh, we saw that in the, the kind of build-up to the World Cup with uh, the UAE, with Saudi Arabia, doing whatever they could almost to stop the World Cup from happening at one point. And now we're hearing that uh, Saudi Arabia are planning to bid for, I think it's the next World Cup coming up after the USA, uh, the North America bid. In, in terms of the, the regional thing, I'm not sure how much it's going to spread because the countries around it, they're all such rivals and they don't want their local rival to get it almost. Also, being in just one place, uh, maybe it's not going to have as big an impact as, as it could have if it was spread out over several countries in the area. South Korea's qualification process, how did that flow? So um, in the last few qualifications, like for 2014, for 2018, Korea really made a bit of a mess of, it, of things and uh, only ended up qualifying for the last game. So compared to that, this qualification was finally, for once, it was a bit of a bit of a breeze. Korea got through with loads of games to spare. Uh, they beat Iran and drew with Iran away. So for Korea, like Iran are probably the second biggest rivals and really like the benchmark team in recent years in Asia. So to get those results in, in qualification in proper important matches was, was huge. Uh, so it was a very successful qualification. I think maybe a few people were a little bit frustrated at the start with some of the matches where Korea dominated but didn't quite win. Uh, I think against Iraq, for example. But overall, the qualification was pretty straightforward, to be honest. They qualified back it back in March. They had some matches over the summer in June, and then some in this last international break. They ended qualification with a defeat, which was very a little bit disappointing because at that time they were on a run of I think seven wins in a row and been unbeaten for quite a long time. So I wanted to go and be unbeaten in qualification, but just missed out on that. The next match was against Brazil, sold out uh, World Cup Stadium in Seoul. Maybe got a bit of a knock back down to earth, a bit of a reality hit for anybody thinking they were going to do uh, go and like win the World Cup or anything because they got hammered by Brazil in a match 5 1. Since then, though, they've been pretty good. They've won all of the full national uh, national team games that they've played or drew. Uh, so they've been unbeaten apart from that game in Brazil. Got a 2 0 win against Chile, a 4 1 win against Egypt, so, albeit without Mo Salah or some of Egypt's better players. Uh, they beat Cameroon in the last match, uh, just at the end of last month, and they got uh, some draws against Costa Rica and Paraguay. In between that, they also played um, a regional tournament in, in Japan where um, like the European-based uh, players like Son Heung-min, for example, didn't play. For that one, there was a bit of a disappointing loss to Japan. The form's not been like absolutely perfect 
since that Brazil game, but it's been okay. They've got probably decent enough results to give people confidence. Let's talk about their confidence. So expectations. Yeah. So if you think back to the last World Cup, I felt, and I think most people in, in the KFA and maybe even the country kind of thought Korea were showed too much respect, maybe a bit overwhelmed by the occasion, uh, especially in that first match against Sweden where they really needed to get a result in that to give them a chance of going through. And of course, I mean, they got that win against Germany in their final game, but they were basically already out at that point. I think the expectation is to to do better than that, both myself and also people in the country. Uh, whether they can go through or not is depend on the day because it's quite a tough group, but I think they've still got a decent chance Korea could get a result against any of the teams. In the past, they've always done pretty well against South American teams apart from Brazil. I think last time they played Uruguay, they beat Uruguay. Maybe that game they could get a result. I think against Ghana, I probably feel like they could get a result in that game. Against Portugal, depends which Portugal shows up. Sometimes they look really strong, sometimes they don't. So there's a chance of a, a result in, in all of them. And so I think they're maybe, yeah, feeling 50% chance that they can get through the group and into the next round. Do you think there's pressure from the country that they need to advance considering what happened in 18? Or is it more because the group has such parity, whatever happens, happens? Yeah, there was massive disappointment in 20. 14 because in that World Cup it was felt Korea had a relatively easy group with uh, Algeria and Russia in there uh, and so to not do well then was seen as a, a disaster yeah this group it's it's not an easy group but it's um, a group where you feel there's a good chance that you can you can get something and so there's some expectation but people are aware that they've only got out of the group stage twice in their history so to do that would be a bit still would be a good achievement so let's talk about the star boy Hyungmin son or son Hyungmin uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the English pronunciation is but um, do you feel like there's a difference between what he does for Spurs and what he does with the national team? Or are there similarities or differences? Like, how would you... Well, normally with Spurs, they play quite on a counter-attack. That really suits Sonny Min's kind of style because he's very fast, good at dribbling at pace. Uh, so that kind of counter-attacking football really kind of suits his role at Tottenham Hotspur. When it comes to the national team, usually they're playing weaker opposition. So they have you know, all the possession and they're trying to break down the team who's playing a kind of a low block, so he doesn't get that much space. But when it comes to uh, the World Cup, they're going to be, again, playing kind of stronger teams who are going to... It's going to kind of be the opposite. So um, Kerry will be probably be trying to play a bit on the counter-attack and he will have that space in behind to run. Usually, I'd say he doesn't play anything like how he does at Tottenham for the national team. But when it comes to the World Cup, perhaps he will because of the teams he's playing against. He scored some smashing free kicks for the national team recently. I don't know why Tottenham don't put him on free kicks because he can just whip it in the top corner every single time. I'll definitely back him to get a couple of goals in, in the World Cup. I think he'll have, a, he'll have a pretty good tournament. He's, uh, he's 30 years old now, so this is probably his last World Cup at the peak, I'd imagine he'll be in the squad in the next World Cup. But as like an absolute elite top player, uh, this might be the last one uh, that he's at his peak. And so he'll be definitely really wanting to uh, have that great World Cup. Yeah, really make it memorable. Another Korean player to, to kind of look out for is Kim Min-jae. Usually Korea's defence is a bit weak. I think in the last World Cup, they had two big injuries just before the World Cup in May. 
one of them was to Kim and Jay, and that made a huge difference in terms of their defence because suddenly their defence looks so much weaker. Uh, since then, he's got better and better and better. Already, he was one of the key players in my mind back four years ago. Now, he's absolutely key player. He's uh, playing for Napoli, their top of Serie A. Got some of the best stats for any defender in Syria uh, so far this season. Absolutely dominating. If he has a good World Cup, he's definitely going to go to a top Premier League team like Man City or Chelsea or somebody. Uh, it's going to be a huge chance for him to put his name kind of on the world stage because he didn't get that chance four years ago in Russia because unluckily for him, he got injured just before the World Cup. And his defending is levels and levels above any of the other defenders' career have. So he's absolutely crucial in terms of how career got on. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup, Steve? Uh, so I think this year is going to be a South American team. The reason for that, both Brazil and Argentina are coming into the World Cup on really hot form. And generally the teams that come into the World Cup on form, normally they're the teams that do well and end up winning it. I feel like maybe this could be Argentina's year. When I was asked this question months ago, I definitely didn't say Argentina. But I think right now, at this point in time, I think they are, would be my favourites to uh, to win the World Cup. All right. So is there anything I haven't asked people should know or might want to know about the South Korean national team? Anybody who's thinking they're not very tough, when they've played against South American teams in friendly matches, those matches have almost ended up with fights happening. The players uh, get that much into it. They're not going to be a pushover at all against Uruguay. People think Uruguay are like this big kind of strong team they might be thinking that they'll push over South Korea but that's not going to be the case at all in that game uh, South Korea can very much give it back as well and I think the last match against Portugal is going to be interesting because the South Korean manager Paolo Bento of course uh, he is Portuguese he actually played his final international game in the 2002 World Cup when Portugal were knocked out by South Korea and so he's going to know their team and everything about them completely inside out uh, so I think that's also another interesting kind of uh, kind of factor for South Korea. Steve, if you could tell people where to follow you on Twitter. At uh, K-League Football. And I'm sure it'll be on there with this podcast for you to find nice and easily. Indeed. All the links will be in the description. Steve, thanks again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Have a great day. And it's the country Half Hope doesn't want to win the most. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Portugal. A lot of the ways that you put in that like World Cup calculator thing, you can really talk yourself into Portugal making it to the final. If they make it inside of the group, I believe they make the final. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, now this, I know what you're doing, but go ahead. You, you can't, like for me, you can say what the hell he wants and everything. You can't prove anything unless you can bring in evidence. <laughs> I know, I know, it, it, Man said, I know. Man said you can't prove anything. You, you can't, can't prove anything. So my you thing can't is that. can't prove anything. You said he's Teflon up in here. Unless you're Tom Cruise in Minority Rule reports, you can't enter my brain and my mind That's and it. know what my That's intentions it. are. So you, can take, you have to take my words on face value and my words say, they make it out of the group, and I think they make the final. Beyond that, I don't know, but I believe Portugal will make the final. I get it. Santos is a loyalist. I get it. Cristiano is a Gerard. I get it. He dropped a disaster class, scoring zero in every single stats statistic in his last game. I, I, I get it. Jota is injured. I get it. It is still a super talented squad. Mm -hmm. It is still a team that can put out three teams. It's not like can put out two decent 11s. Something that can be said for every single team, apart from maybe like, let's say, France. Mm -hmm. So what are these I noises? This is you, me being doubtful. No, but you like you you don't think Portugal have a deep squad in the way that Half Hope is laying they, out? They have got a deep squad. They've also got some weaknesses in certain areas. You know, the story. Of... Every team has weaknesses, but I'm saying that they're one of those teams. They're one of the, the few teams 
I think apart from France, they can put out two 11s. Brazil can England do it. can put out two 11s. Brazil can put out two 11s. Spain can put out two 11s. Edison? Do you mean good 11s? Do you mean... <laughs> not, do you mean are we talking <laughs> about 11s good, that can get out of a good, group stage? Good 11s. We're saying, good we're 11s. saying 11s that can get out of there. Then yeah. there's only three teams. Brazil, France, and Portugal, I think. Yeah, that's it. And then even Brazil is still like, eh, because Edison is not... A, a Germany, group. maybe. No, now no, I think no, about stop it, a little it, bit Germany, no, stop it. No, Germany, stop it. What's up in Portugal is how much faith will Santos have in Cristiano? Is Cristiano going to hold the team back? I, I say, who knows? You never Carl, know. Carl, this is kind of your home your home base in terms of writing about Ronaldo and thinking about Ronaldo. What do, what do you make of him at the World Cup and Portugal's chances in general? If Diogo Jota was fit and something was said that Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't going to start every game, then I'd... <laughs> then I'd be a lot higher on Portugal. But it's hard for me to say Portugal going to do well because Ronaldo is a sticking point. I've watched him play up close for the majority of this season. He cannot run in the way he used to, which means he needs to play in a team that can win the ball high up the field uh, and can feed to feet and get crosses in. And I know Portugal can do that, but Santos isn't that sort of manager. I also think Santos as a manager, you know, he is one of the big sufferable pioneers. Oh, man. And if you want to be a sufferable guy, that means that your striker needs to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. And when that was Ronaldo, when that was 2016 Ronaldo, okay, great. And when that was 2018 Ronaldo, okay, great. Uh, but Hope, how many knockout goals has Cristiano Ronaldo got in the World Cup? Less than one, more than minus one. Oh, there you go. I just, I mean, the joke was, the joke was that for years and years and years, Portugal couldn't create a striker. And then they did some sort of weird shamanistic ritual and put the like the combined powers of every other striker into one person, that person became Cristiano Ronaldo. But Ronaldo's not Ronaldo or the Ronaldo he used to be. So I am not as high on Portugal as I used to be. I'm very high on them at the Euros and the next World Cup. I sat down with Luis Mateus and this is the conversation that I had with him. I'm Luis Mateus. I'm a Portuguese journalist. I'm now coordinating uh, Abola TV. Uh, it's related to the oldest and the most significant uh, newspaper in Portugal. I don't know uh, about the other countries, but in Portugal, in the in the 80s and 90s, it's my childhood. Uh, at that time, the the World Cup was a, was a really big big thing because it was the the main event of of, of football. Uh, and by then, we didn't know the the players that much. Uh, we, we it was a a voyage, uh, a trip of of, uh, of discovering the, the players because we, we didn't know them, we didn't watch them play. Today is a little bit different, so it's it's a, like an overdose of, of, of information, of data. And so the World Cup is a little bit uh, less romanced, but it, it's still a big event. It was said about Portugal that Portugal was uh, like the Brazil in Europe, so it, it has all the technique, all the, the, the fantasy, all the creativity, uh, but it lacked the, the success in the results. And so at, at the, the 2016, Portugal finally won. But it, it's a big step from, from that day, from the European Championship to the World Cup. We, we have failed in, the, in recent uh, attempts in 2018, precisely against Uruguay. The team will be our opponent in this uh, phase group in, the, in Qatar. So it, it's, quite, it's quite a big a big step, you know, but uh, I think Portugal and Portuguese people uh, dream of one day uh, winning the World Cup. Portugal were in a group with Serbia, Ireland, Luxembourg and Azerbaijan. You guys finished second and then there was yeah. a playoff against Turkey and then North Macedonia. So if you could walk me through those steps. Well, it was not uh, um, the, the, the qualification uh, 
Portuguese people uh, would expect because uh, it was quite an easy one uh, in theory for, for Portugal. Portugal has a huge amount of talent. It's the best group Portugal has ever had in, in, the, in history. But uh, I think Portugal thinks of itself like uh, one of the big uh, football nations now. So it was quite an under underachievement for Portugal in this uh, qualification. It, it was not it was not a, a good qualification uh, even if the, the the playoff was was a little bit better but it was against teams that are below our level the mentality of the coach is a little bit um, opposite to the the quality of the players right now so we have a, a team that likes to pass the ball more often control the games be more offensive try to to get to the goal win by by a lot of goals if possible and you have a coach that uh, thinks the the matches in in a little bit more defensive way. He tries to be much much more organized. Uh, I remind you that he was uh, the Greek coach, uh, so it's a little bit a little bit awkward. But in in that last two matches in the playoffs, I think he he, he did a, a little bit of a, a forward step. This is the the main problem around Portugal nowadays: the the mentality against the quality of the offensive players, offensive midfields you have. So the qualification is a, a, an underachievement, but I think. Portugal still has the players to do a fantastic World Cup if the, the coach, Fernando Santos, uh, will let the team go a little bit forward than, than uh, he has done in the past. You've kind of alluded to, to the defensive style yeah. of play. When, when you have a squad that's capable of playing, in air quotes, good football, are you happy with him still being there or would you maybe like a change? Well, no, I'm not, I'm not that happy with, with the coach for a long time. He was never able to to play uh, in 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 the, the the way they want to play, uh, mostly. I think, of course, every player says that the coach is great, but I think they they are not free uh, in the pitch to play uh, as they want. We saw in the in the Euro 2020, Bernardo Silva against against Germany was almost like a, a right back than a, than a right winger. So you must um, embrace the quality of the players, the, the profile of the players to extract uh, what, what they can give more to the team. And I think Fernando Santos in a, a particular way has not been able to do that. So are Portugal trending in the right direction? And what are your expectations for this group and perhaps beyond? It's very hard to, to answer that because, uh, of course, in a way, we see the, the players and we see the, the talent, the, the creativity of some of these players. We see that some players like Bernardo uh, are not playing in the, in the position they are more favorable to. I think Bernardo will, will be very important to Portugal if he plays in the, in the central midfield, like he plays with Guardiola in, in, at Manchester City. So well, even the, the left back, the, the right back that is is also the left back Cancelo. In sometimes with Guardiola in, in in Manchester City at Manchester City, he plays uh, at left back, but uh, participating in the, in the in the construction of the team, playing alongside the midfielder. So there are some stuff there that are not being transplanted from the teams. 
I think that the players will have much more importance in the World Cup than they did in the past because it, there's no time to prepare. It's almost about the, the connections the, between the players and, and the, the way they express themselves in the, in the pitch. So I, I expect a very balanced group, I think. I think Portugal is, is the favorite, as you said. No, no news about that, no surprise. Uh, they will probably cross against one of the the teams they have uh, suffered in the in the in the qualification serbia if uh, serbia is second and portugal first uh, or brazil and then if if portugal is second in this group can have a, a big big task against brazil in the 85 who is the player you're most interested in seeing at this world cup Well, I don't know if he will play. Uh, I think Vitinha from PSG will be quite a, a fantastic player for Portugal in the in the next years. Uh, but I don't know if he will play. I think it was the last game he played in the, the first team was against Switzerland uh, precisely. So that game didn't work out well for Portugal. Portugal lost that game. But for me, he's, he's still one of the, the fantastic players that are playing right now in a, in a fantastic way and it will be very interesting for Portugal if he plays in the first team I think he's one of, of my first team players but I, I, I sincerely doubt if he will be one of the, the first team players for, uh, for Fernando Santos of course Leão is a fantastic and explosive player I think he will play uh, a lot of a lot of matches in the, in the World Cup in the World Cup um, well uh, mostly I have been a little bit curious if Portugal... I think Pepe will play. Uh, he's a veteran. Uh, he's almost 40 at Qatar. Uh, I think he will play, play yes or yes. So that, there's no doubt about, about that. Even if his physical condition is not that great, he's injured right now. So he will be quite a doubt for us if, if he plays or not. He's the leader of the team, the leader of the defense. And so he's very important for us. The injury to Diego Jota. How do you think that will affect the team, if at all? Well, it was one of the best in the the best scores in the team for this qualification phase. Only Ronaldo had more goals, one more goal, I think. He had a quite one or two or three assists, so he's quite important, mainly in the in the in Fernando Santos style because he's very he's very he's very smart and very quick to find spaces in a few meters, and that makes him special. So I think he will be missed. But I think if Portugal wants to be more, more a controlling team, more a dominant team, Portugal needs to put in the field some players that are much more comfortable with... Not, not that Diogo Jota is not a good player, he's a fantastic player. But I think Portugal needs to, to, to create uh, connections between the players. So players like, like João Félix, like uh, Vitinha like Leão, like Bernardo Silva, will combine uh, great together. So Batiz will be missed, of course. He's very special in that, in that last uh, 10, 15 meters. The big man, Cristiano Ronaldo. I have, to have, I have to ask at least one question about him, right? So yeah. <laughs> I know. We've, we've, we've seen the issues that have happened lately. How do you see Cristiano Ronaldo's role in this team? At Manchester United, he seems to be out of place. He doesn't really fit the style of Ten Hag necessarily. Does yeah. Santos tailor the team to Cristiano to where you, we won't see those kind of issues? Or is he a problem? 
I read I read a book in in the last year. It's, it's Simon Cooper about Barcelona, and and Simon Cooper says Barcelona gets the 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 better of Real Madrid because Ronaldo doesn't have the defensive awareness to fill the gap in the in the left side of the field. I think it was like that in in some ways even in at the Portuguese team being at at the middle at the center protects the team. It protects him too. But yes, uh, the football today is a little bit more pressing you have uh, less time less space is being hard for him he is also a little bit older uh, i'm afraid he's not forever he's not eternal i think the football has find a way between the the positional attack from guardiola and the trans transitional german uh, gang and pressing attack it has uh, filled the gap between th those two main ideas uh, and now is uh, possession styled with transitional football the model the the profile of the teams right now is not that much uh, good for for a player like cristiano who would The, his main idea is goal is is to score goals. So it's it's hard. He, he doesn't press that good. He's, he he tries to to focalize all his energy to score the goal. He needs to be more than a, a, a pure nine. He needs to be a little bit more of a associative player. And I think in some matches he tried to do that to combine with 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 the team to to be associative to try to assist to to his to his colleagues. So he's not that much uh, focused in the goal. As I said before, Portugal needs to go in the different direction. We are losing time uh, with these ideas. We are losing time with some of these players. We have a fantastic team that needs to play in a different way. And uh, perhaps uh, not in this World Cup, but after it, uh, I think the space for players like Cristiano Ronaldo will be a little bit Uh, less he's getting old unfortunately so we, we need to to be a little bit more of a team less cristiano uh, more 10 players who wins the world cup i was expecting that france will be very strong at this world cup not only injuries but also mbappe's condition and physical psychological condition i think i don't think it's the right one right now but england has a talented group but he has issues with southgate also uh, you have brazil i don't know if they have the talented team they had in the in the past but they are still a very dangerous team Germany has a very, very, very good coach. So let's see what happens with uh, with this one. Uh, I think Argentina has the players, has the coach. But Europe has been uh, winning all the, the, the World Cups since 2002. So I, I will bet in, at Argentina, but I know that Europe will not... It will not be easy for the South Americans again at, at this World Cup. Then, then you have... Belgium, Portugal, Croatia, Netherlands, Spain, all more or less at the same level. At a month ago, I would say Argentina and France, but right now, I don't know. Luis, what's the name of your book again? I'll put the link in the description. O Campeonato do Mundo, uh, the, the World Cup. So it's uh, the, the literal translation from the World Cup. O Campeonato do Mundo. I thank you for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome. I'm sorry for my English, but uh, try to, to think in Portuguese and answer in English is not, not uh, easy to ask. I'm going Portugal second, Uruguay first. Portugal first, Uruguay second. Ghana first. <laughs> Portugal second. <laughs> South Korea third. Uruguay fourth. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think, yeah, Uruguay will probably top this group. I would love to say Ghana in second, though. I would I love, would. like, 
Portugal finished you first and Ghana second, but I just need I just want Ghana to beat Uruguay. The rest of it doesn't really matter to me. I just want a that. draw. Would you be happy with a draw? If a draw makes sure that Uruguay doesn't make it to the round of sixteen, is that enough? It's got to be a draw where we score late on to get it. <laughs> right, like, not, like I'm not I'm not saying like a draw. It looks like we're one 0 for the rest of the game and they score. I'm talking I'm talking like Uruguay go two 0 up at halftime. They're talking jazz, and then right in the 85th minute we crash it on their heads. <laughs> And, and and then and then like in the ninety third minutes, Cannibal does a header. <laughs> yeah, no, no, then, no, are no, you no. then hand the balls? Yeah, 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 it's yeah, a penalty. Yeah, then Cannibal's yeah. thing is basically saved by the keeper. Yeah, so. we have oh. to crash it. On, I want to crash it on their heads. <laughs> Do you know if if Ghana go to this World Cup and what they get from it is making sure Nigeria don't go, and a revenge game against Uruguay. That even if they don't do anything after that, it's worth it. I mean, like it's, the whole it's cycle like, it's like is worth those film. two games. It's like the end <laughs> of Rocky. Yeah, yeah. Ghana, Ghana, quite frankly, shouldn't be at this World Cup. It, it was hooker by crook to get here. Carl, um, please stop reminding me. <laughs> do you know what's sick is if you look at just like how Nigeria players, especially Osman, is playing right now. Oh my god! The idea that he, got, he's not on, at the World guys, Cup is just stop, so stop, sick. Stop, stop, if if stop if indeed please. if indeed he was fit and the second leg was in Lagos, guys, right? I'm actually Abu, begging Abu, you. Abu Jar, all right, all right. Guys, I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yes, he's not thank please begging. I'm sorry. Hope doesn't beg. That's how you know it's a big deal. So last last question. Um, I'm making you pick right now. What's what time is it? 9:30 p.m. London time on november the 8th mm-hmm. this can change subject to change obviously who are you shading to win the world cup brazil gonna beat spain in the world cup final and half hope has no freaking idea because this, this is because i literally have no idea that is i'm my feeling wo- i'm, I'm no, feeling no, no, brazil no, no, i'm feeling that's, brazil man that's my that's way to i'll say this though brazil and france are definitely not winning it and that's the best i can okay. give you Brazil, because it reminds me of 2006, and France, World Cup winners, course, and no uh, Kante or Pogba. I'm, I'm Brazil, but I also say, as I've also said in this podcast, the first World Cup I can remember is France 98. So I am of I am of an age where I always will always pick Brazil to do well at World Cups. I am also of an age where I will always pick France to do well at World Cups, and I'm slightly too young to pick for Germany Argentina to and Italy and stuff for Argentina Italy and Germany for me to pick those teams well we can't pick Italy <laughs> yeah yeah have, yeah have hope have hope yeah you how come you just can't lump yourself in with Italy like it happens stop stop it stop it, <laughs> I'm trying to make you you know just... you gotta stop doing this man it's not it's not just that his country's not at the World Cup it's that his country <laughs> is not at the World Cup because Ghana did it I'd have vanished. I'd have vanished for a week. No, no, but but but, but let's be clear. As messed up as it is, I know too many Ghanaian people. Shout out to, I mean, may her soul rest in peace, Mrs. Mrs. Ganza. When I was six six years old, Ghanaian teacher, man. So my Ghana links are very close, and I have some Ghanaian people who've been very influential in my life, man. So I, as much as it's painful, I am one thousand percent rooting for Ghana, man. One thousand percent. So thank you. If if Nigeria was in this group, you would be rooting for them. In this group against Uruguay, crash it on the heads. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, so yeah, I want to say thank you to Jesse, George, Steve, and Luis for helping us out. Um, you can follow us at Talking Tactics. I'm at Daniel to look. Carl, where can, where can you be found? You can find my writing over on The Athletic. You can also find my face on a project mm. uh, every morning during the World Cup over on The Athletic as well. You can find my many ramblings and tweets over at Anchorman616. I have half of football hot.com. All the links are in the description. 
Um, yeah, we thank you guys for listening to all these previews. Hopefully you've had some fun, learned some things along the way. Talking Tactics Podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. But always football. Really, really want you to enjoy this World Cup where you can. Yeah! Football is great, and football is supposed to bring people together. So yeah. I hope I hope you have an enjoyable World Cup, and it brings you together with, with people you like. We will see you guys sometime next week. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. peace. Podcast Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.